appreciate those that have been uh, helping with uh, uh, piano uh, the last little while. We miss Miss Lois. I believe she's back here pretty soon. Be praying for her. But I sure appreciate those getting involved. And as we are talking about the youth being involved, may we not uh, forget that God wants all of us involved. And may I challenge you uh, this morning, and I want you to look in the Word of God. I want us to be challenged about that very truth today in the book of Matthew, chapter 28. Matthew, chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. I want to talk to you this morning about our mission. Our mission, the Great Commission. When I was in Bible college, we're going to read some verses here in a moment. I want to share a quick story before we begin. When I was in Bible college, I worked in the ministry uh, there of our church, and we had a large, uh, vibrant, growing bus ministry. And uh, you'd be praying. I'm praying the next year that uh, we can uh, birth a, a vibrant bus ministry here out of our church. And, but I was working in a bus ministry, and uh, I was working in the inner city of Chicago, and uh, I was asked to go out to the suburbs of Chicago to a city called Aurora, Illinois, and to reestablish a bus ministry there in that area that had not been going for many years. And I went out there, and there was a Deer family there in uh, Aurora, uh, Deer family, born-again folks, the Maloney family. And uh, Mrs. Maloney and her girls uh, had come to Christ many years before, and our girls were married, and there were children, a very large family in different areas there. Mrs. Maloney was a Navajo, and uh, Mrs. Maloney introduced me to something that is a wonderful thing. I'm sure they're going to serve them on the streets of, in heaven uh, called Navajo tacos. How many have ever had a Navajo taco before? Hallelujah, praise hallelujah. Yeah, that's good stuff. And, uh, but I love the Maloneys. They're dear, 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 sweet friends, and I keep in contact with many of, many of the families still today. Uh, the boys, at the time, there were some teen boys. They were the grand, grandsons of Mrs. Maloney. And uh, I remember one day I took the boys, a couple of the boys, and I said, hey, we have a secret mission. And they kind of looked at me odd, like a secret mission. I said, just, you got to come with me. we got a secret mission. And so they got in the vehicle with me, and, and we drove to a burrito shop in Aurora, Illinois. And we went inside and ordered burritos, and we, we got burritos, and we told, told their mom we were on a secret mission. And some of you, you wish your mission uh, was eating burritos. And, uh, but can I tell you that we do have a mission, all of us. And our mission is the Great Commission. And I want you to look here at verse 18. And the Bible says, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. Amen. Let's pray together. Lord, as we are confronted with truth as we are challenged by Scripture, as we are convicted by your Spirit this morning. God, would you help us to see every one of us, every believer, 
from the youngest to the oldest. God, would you help us to see that we have a mission? And that mission is the Great Commission. Lord, as we examine it this morning, as we compare Scripture this morning, Scripture with Scripture, Lord, would you move in our hearts? Lord, every one of us are here today as believers in Jesus Christ because somebody fulfilled their mission. Somebody shared Christ with us. Somebody taught us. Somebody reached us with the gospel. Lord, there's a great big world out there. Lord, we have a great big city here full of people that need Christians to fulfill their mission. There's a world waiting for Christians to fulfill their mission of the Great Commission. Lord, help us today. Lord, I pray if there be one here that knows you not as Savior this morning. Lord, I pray as we talk about the gospel, as we talk about the Great Commission, Lord, I pray that they would realize this morning that you love them. That, Lord, your purpose for them is that they hear the message of the gospel, the death, the burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that they know that they may call upon you, receive you, and believe on you today. Lord, I pray that would be the case. Lord, work in our hearts. God, work in my heart. God, we need you this morning. In your precious name we pray. Amen. I want to talk to you about six things this morning about the Great Commission. About this passage that we see in the book of Matthew. We want to believe that you know, the Great Commission, this passage, that's for the preachers. We want to believe that's for the missionaries. That's for the evangelists. That's for that person that goes and serves full-time in ministry. That's not for me. But can I tell you, this mission is for all of us. It's a mission that every Christian is tasked with, and that is the Great Commission. Number one this morning, I want to talk to you about the Master's authority. Would you look at verse 18? And Jesus came. Notice it's not Peter. By the way, Peter is not the head of the church. Jesus is the head of the church. It's not James or John. Rather, it says, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Number one, I want you to see the authority of the master here in this commission. If your parent, when you were growing up, said, I want you to do this, clean your room, feed the dog, take the trash out, uh, shovel the snow. How many of you hated to hear that shovel the snow as you grew up in Canada? Uh, I, I'm a little bit worried. Would you pray for me? You know, we had three girls. You know, so when we got snow, you know, I'd, okay, girls, go shovel the snow. One of my daughters has abandoned me and gone to live with her husband for some reason. Another one of my daughters is in Bible college 2,000 miles away. And I have one good daughter left. <laughs> but I know what's going to happen. She's going to leave me. I'm going to have to start shoveling snow again. I'm going to teach Carrie how to shovel the snow. Or Yeti. Yeti can pick up a snow shoveler. But you parents, you know, go shovel the snow. Go do this. Uh, and when you tell your children to do something, they do it. They should, right? Amen? Amen. By the way, when God tells us something as his children, we ought to do it too. Amen? 
He's the authority. He's the ultimate authority. I want you to hold your place here because we're going to look at several things back and forth. We're going to compare some scripture with scripture this morning. But I want you to turn to John 17. Hold your place in Matthew 28. Turn to John 17. In verse 2. We see here Christ, we'll start in verse 1, praying in the garden. Or praying for the, the apostles here. In verse 1, these words spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come. Glorify thy Son, that thy Son also may glorify thee. In verse 2, powerful truth. As thou hast given him power over, read the next word with me, all, all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. Christian, I want you to realize the authority of your master this morning. As we think about our mission, as we think about the Great Commission, and we're going to go into it in just a moment, before we even get there, we need to settle the fact that God is the one who has the authority to give us a mission. God who has, is the one who has the authority to tell us our purpose and our life. We were talking this morning in our adult Sunday school about David and David's journey to the Valley of Ella and his, uh, his journey of faith. We talked about his cause this morning. His cause was for the faith. Can I tell you that we have a cause, a cause given to us by our great commander, uh, the King, the Lord, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, our Savior, our Father, our Lord, Jehovah. He has perfect, total, complete authority. I made a phone call a couple of weeks ago to someone at... How's Anderson College? We were scheduling our young ladies that got to go. By the way, they made it back. Welcome home. Glad you're here. And uh, B didn't make it back. She died down there somewhere. Oh, B's, B's sick this morning. Be praying for her. Uh, I think the girls probably got her sick. But I was calling to arrange some things in Indiana before they left. And I called a dear friend of mine. He's Brother Anthony Collins. He's been here. Uh, he's the man who brought the tour groups a couple times. Some of you remember the college tour group that came, Brother Collins, who preached. I called Brother Collins, and I said, hey, I wanted to see if we can do that. And he said to me, Brother Rice, he said, I don't have the authority to make that decision. And he, he, he cared for a couple things. He said, but you're going to have to talk to he, You're going to talk to Brother King. Brother King is the one who has the authority to make this decision, to make this call. So I got off the phone with him. Why? He didn't have the authority to make the decisions. He couldn't tell me because he didn't have that authority. But then I called Brother King because he had the authority to make those decisions. Christian, Jesus has all the authority to command my life, to give me the purpose of life. And we see here this morning as we begin, just very foundationally, as we think about our mission, our life down here, our mission, the Great Commission, we see the authority of the Master. Number two, would you turn back to our text in, in the book of Matthew, chapter 28? And I want you to see the servant's commission here. Now, 
we understand he is our master. And I understand this morning we have a, a father-son relationship with God. I understand that closeness, but also he's still our master. And as such, we are still, although sons, we are also still servants. And we see here in verse 19, we see the servant's commission. Verse 19, go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Can I tell you the biggest problem we have, the biggest failure in our mission, is we don't go. We don't go. Yesterday morning, I woke up. I was sleeping in a tent on the ground like a caveman. Well, not a caveman would have been in a cave. I was like a tent man. And I woke up and it was cold. You, most of you woke up in a nice warm house, nice soft bed, covers, pillows, blankets. You woke up, you had a bathroom, you had a shower. I woke up in a tent and it was cold. And I woke up and I went, Brother Maude, I thought, I don't want to get out of bed this morning. It's cold. I really don't want to get up, but I did. And I went out, I took Pastor Vasi, uh, Vasily Kornachuk, I took him out hunting yesterday morning. And I got up and made the essence of life, which is coffee. And once I got some coffee in me, things were kind of started to come into focus. And I went out trying to uh, find some more animals that wanted to come home with us for supper. And we came back to camp after that morning hunt, and I got back to camp, and you know what I found? I found that lazy guy right there and all the other lazy people. They didn't go hunting yesterday morning. My son-in-law, good man, I thought. I mean, I gave him my daughter. He didn't go hunting yesterday morning. You know why he didn't kill an elk yesterday morning? Because he didn't go. Had you gone with Brother Hamad, you would have got an elk yesterday morning. He didn't go. Can I tell you why we... I'll tell you that funny story to get us to break the ice to see the reality of the situation with the gospel. Can I tell you why we're not reaching the world? Because we're not going. We're not going. We have all kinds of excuses, all kinds of reasons why. We, we justify it in so many ways, but we see the commission to the servant is to go. I read for you very quickly, just over a few pages in Mark 15. In verse 15, the Bible says, And so Pilate, Mark 15, verse 15, And so Pilate, willing to content the people, released Barabbas unto them and delivered Jesus when he had scourged him to be crucified. Can I tell you here in Mark, we see Pilate, Pilate, not a good man, but a man who said, I'll do whatever the people want. I'll do what the people want. Why is it that we have a God who has given us a command and rather than doing what the one with authority wants in our life, we go against what they want, what God wants? Christian, we have a commission. We have a commission to go. I'm so glad 
for those of you here this morning who can say, Pastor, I'm a born-again child of God. There's a day that I trusted Christ as my Savior. I'm glad this morning somebody came and shared the gospel with you. I'm sure glad there was a day when I was a young person that a man cared enough to come again and again and again. He went to give the gospel to my family. I wouldn't be here today if it weren't for a man named Charlie Sanford. Not a preacher, not an evangelist, not a pastor, just a foreman on a construction site. A white hat, those of you that work in the construction trade. Just a white hat foreman. But a white hat foreman Christian who believed the Bible when it says, Go ye into all the world. You're here this morning, many of you, because somebody came to where you were and they shared Christ with you. They followed the command of the Great Commission. Imagine, if you will, if every believer in Matthew 28. By the way, those believers were in a very small, centralized, localized area. Imagine, if you will, if all those believers at the time Jesus said, go you into all the world and preach the gospel, if they had stayed exactly where they were, we wouldn't have the gospel today. A very, 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 very small portion of the population of planet Earth would have the gospel if they didn't go. And Christian, we have the authority of our master, the authority of the one who has commanded us. We have, we see our commission as servants to go. I want you to see, continue with me back in our text in Matthew 28. The Bible tells us in verse 19, Go ye therefore and teach all nations. Teach all nations. Hold your place there and turn to Acts 14 with me. The book of Acts, in chapter number 14. Acts 14 and verse 21, it says, And when they had preached the gospel to that city. Look up here just for a moment. We'll get back to the verse in a second. The answer is still the gospel. The answer is still the gospel. I was having a conversation with Pastor Kornachuk yesterday as we're driving back. And he told me he was out with Brother Ahmad the other night. Brother Ahmad took him to get his first deer the other night. He asked Brother Ahmad how he got saved. Brother Maud shared his testimony with him and shared about how some folks loved his family. And I think, Maud, you said something like it wasn't the gospel, it was the folks that loved me. And Brother Vossi said to me, he said those words, but as he said those words, I heard those people live the gospel. And can I tell you, it is the gospel. It is the gospel that is the answer. It is the gospel the world still needs. The, the hope of our country is not in a new political leader. And if you think it is, you are sadly mistaken. It's in the gospel. It is not in uh, some reform of our government. 
It is not in uh, a uh, getting better of the morals of our society. That's not the answer. It's the gospel. It's always been the gospel. We see they went to the city, a city. What do they need? The people had a lot of needs. But the greatest need they had was the gospel. Look at the rest of the verse. When they had preached the gospel to that city and taught many, they returned to Lystra and to Iconium and Antioch. Can I tell you what they were doing here? They were making disciples. They were obeying the Great Commission. The Bible tells us back in our text, Go ye therefore and teach all nations. What do we teach? Number one, we teach the gospel because it's the answer. No matter the problem any person is facing in this world, no matter the sin that someone is dealing with, ultimately the answer is the gospel. What's the answer for all the vile wickedness in our world today? The gospel. What's the answer for hopelessness? It's the gospel. What's the answer for all the horrible things? In it? It's the gospel. The answer for your life, dear friend, this morning is the gospel. By the way, I praise God that I received the gospel. I praise God that somebody taught me, mentored me, discipled me. A disciple is a follower, a learner. They called Jesus a teacher. Why is it we see Jesus the teacher and we fail to realize that our job is still to teach and to minister and to create and build disciples? We have lost, we are losing the battle for the souls of men and for our world, I believe, because we have failed in making disciples. We've dropped the ball. I want us to get to our mission. I want us to focus on the Great Commission this morning. I want us to see that He, our Savior, our Master, has the authority. He's given us as His servants the commission. What is that commission? Number one, to make disciples, to share the gospel. Number two, look if with me at verse 19 again in our text. Go you therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son. And the Holy Ghost. The Bible tells us in the book of Acts, chapter 10 and verse 48, it says, and he commanded them. That's a powerful word, commanded. He commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Can I tell you that the waters and that tank right there, won't get you to heaven. I could take you up there and baptize you till you grow a set of gills and swim like a fish. Do nothing for you. That's not holy water. Matter of fact, it might be dirty water. I don't know. It's, just, it's, uh, it's not holy water. Just water. All that is is a tank. I baptize people in a horse trough. Many of you I baptize in a horse trough. Our old baptistry. I baptized people in a lake. I baptized Alex last year in, Lac in uh, 
What's that lake out there? Lac St. Anne. I baptize people in a creek. I baptize people in swimming pools. I baptize people in baptistries. The water is not special. The, the container of the water isn't special. Baptism does nothing to get you to heaven. But, Christian, every one of us are commanded to be baptized. So, Pastor, what's the big deal? If it doesn't get me to heaven, if it doesn't add anything to my salvation, then why do I have to have it? This week, we really suffered for Jesus out in the wilderness. We hardly had any food to eat. Uh, we almost starved to death. Uh, I may be lying somewhat. <laughs> One day, we had donairs. How many of you had donairs this week? I had a donair in the bush, made by the master donair man, Brother Barcy. And uh, he brought lettuce and onions, homemade sweet sauce. And dare I say it, tomatoes. As I was making my donair, somebody, was it, somebody, I can't remember who it was, was you trying to put tomatoes on? Somebody had the tomatoes. Here, you put the tomatoes. Get those out of here. Don't you defile my donair with tomatoes. Don't you ruin? Man, that, that's like taking something wonderful and making it something disgusting. And I... I don't, want the, I don't want the tomatoes. You keep, keep those nasty tomatoes. I want nothing to do with them. I mean, give me all the other stuff, but you keep the nasty tomatoes. I don't want them. So many Christians say, oh, you know, I, I, don't, I don't want to get baptized. I don't need it. don't have to have it. And you're right. For salvation, you don't have to be baptized. But to be obedient to the Lord Jesus Christ, you have to be. That's just the honest truth this morning. If you're a Christian here and you've never been scripturally baptized, you are disobedient to the Lord Jesus Christ. Not disobedient to the church, not disobedient to a pastor, not disobedient. You're disobedient to the Lord Jesus Christ. And part of the Great Commission is not only are we to share the gospel with the folks, but we're also to encourage folks about this matter of being baptized. Why? Because baptism shows forth what Jesus did when you got saved. Baptism is a testimony of what the Lord did for you. Brother Maud shared a story with me of when his mother-in-law got baptized in Anchor Baptist Church in B.C. Now, you understand Brother Maud's mother-in-law had been a Muslim for 70, 70 years, thereabouts. She grew up in Iran. She grew up in Muslim culture. She grew up only around other Muslims. All she knew, she, she knew the religion of Islam. She had lived in it all of her life, and she was near the end of her life. She got saved, and not only did she trust Christ, but she said, I want to get baptized. Brother Maud said before she got baptized, Brother Turner asked if she had wanted to testify or say something about, and I guess she preached a sermon, standing in the water there. 70-some-year-old lady shared a powerful testimony of what God had done. Christian, you have no idea the impact of your faithfulness to Jesus Christ in following him, the impact that has to others. 
we need to make sure that we encourage folks not only to believe the gospel, but God here tells us in verse 19, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. It's part of our mission. Let's not leave our mission incomplete. Go on with me, if you will, in Acts chapter, I'm sorry, in Mark, Matthew chapter 28, look in verse 20. We see the making of the disciples, and obviously that begins at, with the gospel, but beyond just believing Christ and, and receiving Christ as salvation, we're to be teaching, to teach them to be baptized. It goes on in verse number 20. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. All things. That's a lot of things. How many of you remember the first time you did laundry? Can anybody have that memory? I remember the first time I did laundry. When I was growing up, my mom did the laundry. It wasn't because I didn't want it, but my mom did the laundry. Nobody touched the laundry but my mom. I don't think I ever operated a washing machine or a dryer in my life. I don't even think I knew how it worked. You know, I just, my clothes magically went from being dirty to being clean. And I just, it was, it was awesome. Then I left home. I left home in September of 1993, went off to Bible college. All things were great. I had, had clothes. I had a dresser full of clothes. I was wearing the clothes getting the clothes dirty, putting the clothes in this laundry hamper thing. There came a day that I went to open the drawer. And Herman, there wasn't any clothes left. And how many of you ever lived in the dorm dormitories in college? You're a dorm student, college student. You guys, you men, you know exactly what I did. I went into the dirty clothes. <laughs> How many have ever done the sniff test? Yeah, just admit it. Be honest with yourself. You don't, want to, you don't want your wife to know, but you've done the sniff test. Yeah, these are okay. So I did the sniff test that day. You know, found something. Oh, this is dirty, but it's not mm, that dirty. And then I realized something, Brother Eric. I was going to have to do laundry. So I, I loaded up my laundry, and I had a bunch of it. And a buddy of mine and I, Brother Eric Ross, I think it was, we, we went to a laundromat. I'd never been to a laundromat in my life. Growing up, we, we had a washer and dryer in our house. I, I'd never been inside of a laundromat. Never even seen a laundromat, I don't think. Went to a laundromat, had to get some quarters. Nowadays, you probably have to use toonies, but it was quarters back then. Uh, and Brother Maud was a kid. It was pennies. But anyway, we put the quarters in. I had to buy some laundry detergent. I just put a bunch of it in there, you know. And I'm doing laundry, and me and my buddy, we're sitting there. We're sitting there in this laundromat. And the whole time we're sitting there, we watched, and there was a, a lady watching us. And she'd watched us the whole time, and me and my buddy are sitting here talking. And finally, this lady, she was probably, I think she was in her 30s was an old woman as far as we were concerned. We were 18 years old. This old woman came over, you know, hobbled on her cane at 30 years old. She walked over to us, and she could tell we didn't know what we were doing. 
And she had watched us take our white shirts and our black pants and our underwear and our red t-shirts and, you know, put it all together in one. She'd watched it all happen. She came over, walked over, sweet lady. Found out later that her husband had been a Bible college student and her husband had been killed in a tragic accident. She was a widow, young widow, sweet lady. She walked over to us and she said, fellas, have you ever done laundry before? Brother Jim, I said, no, ma'am. And she said, I thought so. I can tell you don't know what you're doing. <laughs> she said, she said if, if, you're, if it's okay, would you let an older lady, and she wasn't that much older, but she said, would you let an older lady teach you how to do laundry? And we both went, yes, ma'am. <laughs> she explained to us things that we had no idea about, about colors and whites. And she taught me something that day. As we were drying our clothes after we washed them, I think we turned our underwear red pink that day, but... As we were, our T-shirts were all pink. Uh, we, after we washed our clothes and we dried them, she came back over when it was time to dry. And she said, fellas, and of course, you know, her husband had worn dress shirts and ties like we were wearing. And she said, fellas, let me teach you something. She said, don't dry your shirts all the way. She said, so check, check the dryer. When the shirts are almost dry, take them out, put them on a hanger, hang them up. You won't have to iron them. I love that woman. Uh, she saved me a lot of ironing over the years. Uh, but I, I didn't know how to wash clothes. I mean, I kind of almost figured it out, but I didn't do a very good job. You know, it didn't take her very long to teach me how to do that. It meant a lot to me. It wasn't a big effort on her part. Christian, how many young Christians do you and I interact with on a weekly basis that struggle in a lot of areas of the Christian life? And we say, well, I've just, I don't struggle in that area. I, I know how to do that. I, I don't struggle. You know, I've just always done that. But can I tell you, there's a lot of newborn Christians. By the way, there's a lot of Christians who were saved a long time ago who have never been discipled who are just as ignorant about many things of God as I was about doing laundry. You know what they need? They need someone like that sweet widow who said, I care about those young guys and I want to help them. And I have something that I can teach them. My pastor used to say, every man is my teacher. Every man knows something I do not know, has done something I have not done, or is something that I have not been. Can I tell you, you are to be a teacher, Christian, a discipler. The Bible uses the word there in verse 20, teaching them to observe all things. That word is very important, observe. It means don't say, hey, you do that. Rather, it's let me show you what to do. Let me model the Christian life and show you how to do what I'm teaching you. Christians were to be modeling Christ. How many of you remember the funny skit? And some uh, new young kids won't remember. I can't remember now the show, uh, but it was a bit of a, a funny gag. The guy came to the door 
I said, walk this way. And then you see the guy walking unusually and the person follows him the same way. Uh, we are to walk the same way as those who are teaching, leading, discipling. I believe with all my heart. And I, I, I believe this so strongly. The Lord has been impressing this on my heart that we as believers and as local churches have probably failed most miserably this area of our mission of the Great Commission more than any other area. We need to do something about it because we have a mission. And part of our mission of the Great Commission is teaching, discipling, mentoring. I want to challenge you this morning. I want to challenge you. Yeah, we need to be sharing Christ. And by the way, if we're not, we're disobedient to God. That's the truth. But we also need to be encouraging, discipling, teaching, training. Look, if you will, back at verse 20. As you're turning there, I'll read for you quickly Acts 14, verse 28. And these abode long time with the disciples. Why did they abide a long time with the disciples? So they could learn. So they could grow. The prices are sick this morning. They're back in town. They were in the States, and I think they were here Wednesday night. I get a message from Brother Jim just a bit ago telling me he's planning on being at church this morning, but they're sick. Many of you know Brother Jim and know that Brother Jim pastored for many years at Vision Baptist, or, yeah, Vision Baptist Church in Leduc. Some of you don't know the story, the fact that that church was a church plant. Brother Rowe established that local church and Brother Jim was a member there. <coughs> Brother Rowe trained, discipled, mentored Brother Jim to the point where Brother, Brother Roe left and Brother Jim was ready to step into the role as pastor. Can I tell you what's happening all across our country right now and all across our world right now? There are many pastors because of health, because of many different reasons that are stepping out of the pulpit. And there's nobody ready. There's nobody ready to fill that role. Why? Because we failed. But I praise God the mission isn't over yet. It's not over yet. We need to be training, mentoring, discipling. We have the command from our Lord. And lastly, look at verse 20 with me here, and I love this. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and you're on your own. That's not what it says. We act like that's what it says. But it goes on to say, and lo, I'm with you always. 
even to the end of the world. Amen. Christian, we have the promised presence of our Savior. There is never a time when you are fulfilling your mission, the Great Commission, when you're alone. Remember Elijah? Elijah got discouraged. Elijah climbed up under a juniper tree. And he said, woe is me. Nobody loves me. Everybody hates me. Let's just go eat worms. No, it was worse than that. He cro- this, is a, this is the prophet, the great prophet Elijah that said, uh, that prayed to God and God sent fire down from heaven. The great prophet Elijah that pointed his finger at the king and said, uh, God's going to judge you. He's underneath the juniper tree and he said, get this, I wish I'd never been born. He was pondering suicide. We're talking about the prophet Elijah. I mean, the great man of God. He said, God, I wish I'd never been born. I'm the only one. There's nobody here. Nobody else serving. Feeling sorry for himself. Angry with God. He was angry with his country. He was angry with those that he thought should be standing beside of him. He said, I'm all alone, God. Two things God did. Number one, God reminded him of how many had not yet bowed the knee to Baal. He said, Elijah, you're not alone. There are many that have not yet bowed the knee that serve me, but God did something else for Elijah. God brought him, had an earthquake and a fire. And finally, God had a still, small voice. And God was in the still, small voice. I believe God was saying to Elijah, Elijah, if nobody else is there, if nobody else will stand, Elijah, I'm with you. My still, small voice is there. Christian, God is with you. Your mission is not a lonely mission. Your mission is not a solo mission. Your mission is a mission where you have support. Your mission to support the Word of God, support of the Holy Spirit. Your mission is a mission where you have camaraderie, camaraderie with His Spirit, bearing witness with your spirit. We have a mission. If we open the windows this morning, we won't do that. But if we did, you could look out and we could honestly say, every place you see, that's our mission. Every person you come in contact with, that's your mission. By the way, beyond that, to the uttermost part of the earth, we have a mission. It is the Great Commission. The one who gave it has all authority. He gave it to us as his servants to obey. We're to make disciples. We do that by sharing the gospel, by teaching the gospel, by teaching the word of God. 
we're to be leading folks not only to trust Christ, but also to be baptized, to obey in the obedience of submission, the obedience of following the Lord, the obedience of proclaiming Christ before men. And the area that we've dropped the ball so miserably, I believe, is the culture and discipleship, teaching all things. Can I encourage you this week, would you have your eyes open like that dear sweet young widow did for me and my friend years ago? Would you look around you on Sunday and see that one that needs somebody to encourage them? Somebody to help them? You know what we want to do? We want to look around and see, okay, who should I judge today? God's not hiring. He doesn't need a judge. He's already got the job filled. We, we, we want to look around and say, okay, who am I better than today? <laughs> I'm, better than, I'm better than him. Better No. Who can I help? How can I encourage somebody? I want to ask you a couple of very pointed questions this morning. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. But I want you to answer them in your heart. Number one, the most important question. If you, not your friend, not your family members, not your neighbor, not your husband, not your wife, not anyone else, but if you... If you were to stand before God this very moment and God would look at you and say to you, why should I allow you into my heaven? What would your answer be? By the way, if that answer is anything but the fact that I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ as my Savior, Amen. it's the wrong answer. If your answer is, Pastor, I'm a good person, I'm at church, I, I read my Bible, I, I, I give money to help the poor, I, I do good deeds, I got baptized, I've done religious works, I've taken the sacrament, I've, I've followed a set of rules, I try to obey the Bible, I'm a good person. None of those answers are going to work. If you're here and you do not know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, this morning, can I encourage you to trust Him today? Christian? Can I ask you a couple of very important questions? Are you obeying? Are you obeying your mission? So, Pastor, what do you mean? Are you making disciples? I want, I want you to answer this question in your heart. I'm not asking you to answer out loud or ask you to raise your hand. But when's the last time you told somebody about Jesus Christ? I'm not talking about your church or your pastor or your family. When's the last time you personally talked to somebody about the Lord Jesus Christ? When's the last time you handed out a gospel track? I drove past a place this week. And it brought back a wonderful memory for me. I had a fellow with me who was unsaved. He was a Muslim man. Brother Maud was with me, and I kicked Brother Maud out of the vehicle. I think you were with me. We were talking about it. I kicked Brother Maud out of the vehicle because I wanted a chance to share the gospel with that man. I thought, but this is going to be a tough conversation. And I admit, that's tough. When you try to share the gospel with someone, the gospel goes against every fiber of what they believe. That's not easy. That's not an easy conversation. And I was praying, Lord, help me to have this conversation because it's going to be a tough conversation, but I want to have this conversation. And 
just as soon as I had the opportunity, we were to, me and this dear man, wonderful man, were together. He asked me a question. He looked and he said, Pastor Rice, he said, what's the difference between Catholicism and Christianity? Well, that's a good question. That was a wonderful question. And I was able to share Christ with him. He has not trusted Christ, but he's heard the gospel. But when's the last time you shared the gospel with somebody, with anybody? The Bible commands us to do so. I'm not asking you when the last time you saw someone trust Christ. I mean, when's the last time you just told somebody? When's the last time you said, hey, here, can I give you this? It'll tell you how much God loves you. Maybe you left a gospel track somewhere. Maybe you shared Christ. Maybe you shared a quick testimony. When, when's the last time? When's the last time that you shared the gospel with someone, they got saved, they, they believe Christ, and you encouraged them about getting baptized? When's the last time, Christian, that you personally took some time to help mentor, disciple a new believer? Those are tough questions. I'm glad we're not answering them out loud this morning because all of us would be embarrassed. But I want you to think about those questions because I want us to realize and come face to face with the reality of the vastness of our mission. And I want us to take personally the reality of what God wants for me and what God wants for you. May we fulfill our mission. Let's pray together this morning. Lord, I thank you for the gospel. Oh, Lord, how wonderful it is that you came, that you died, that you were buried and rose again, that you paid the debt that I owe. Lord, I thank you for the day that I received you, that I believed the gospel, that I was born again. Lord, I pray, God, you'd help me never to forget what you've done for me. And God, help me to realize the mission of the Great Commission that we have. Lord, I pray this morning that there be one here that knows you not as Savior. One who, if they stood before you this very moment, if their life was over and you asked the question of them, why should you let them into heaven? If there's one here today that does not, could not honestly answer, because I've believed the gospel, I've been born again, I've been saved. Lord, I pray today they would come. Let someone sit down with them and open the word of God, the Bible. And share with them how they today can believe and receive the gospel. How they can trust Christ today. Lord, I pray for Christians. Lord, I pray you'd help me. Lord, as I stare face to face at the reality of the, the vastness of the mission you've given us. Lord, as I confess and humbly bow before you and admit. that Lord, I haven't perfectly fulfilled your mission. But God, I want us to. Lord, I pray you'd hit the reset button in our lives, in our church, in our ministry. And God, help us to fulfill your mission, the Great Commission. Lord, would you work in our hearts during this time of invitation? God, would you be honored by decisions made today? God, would you use the lives of these dear folks, Lord, to affect our city and our world with the gospel? God, may it be so.
In your precious name we pray. Amen. Our brother, come lead us in a song of invitation. Let's take our hymnals. We'll turn to number 298, Jesus is Calling. Let's stand together as we sing this one. We'll sing verses 1 and 3 of hymn number 298. Thank you for your call to whosoever shall call upon you. Lord, I thank you for the day that I did. Lord, I pray this week that we would be busy. Lord, not only loving you, not only reading your word and learning of you. Lord, help us to do that. Help us to be faithful. But Lord, as well, would you help us to obey in our mission? God, I pray you'd give us open doors this week. Lord, I pray you'd even lay on our hearts even now someone that we could share Christ with, someone that we could encourage, someone that we could challenge to live the Christian life and help them along their way. God, help us to fulfill our mission. Lord, bless us now. Thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you for what you've done. Thank you for the opportunity we have to come back and gather tonight. Lord, I pray you bless our services then. May you be glorified today. In your precious name we pray. Amen.